I'm Jessica Harris. This is From Scratch. My guest is Maggie Lacose, co-founder of Laberna Den, a leading seafood restaurant in New York City. Maggie started Laberna Den in 1986 with her brother Gilbert after operating the restaurant with the same name in Paris. When Gilbert died from a heart attack in 1994, Eric Repair took over as the restaurant's co-owner and chef. Maggie and Eric are co-authors of Le Bernardin Cookbook. Le Bernardin has been awarded three Michelin stars and has held four stars from the New York Times since it opened. Welcome. Thank you. What are your earliest memories of eating fish? Oh, from very be- the very beginning, I didn't like meat. So that was easy. When I was very young, three, four years old, I was eating in the dining room in our little uh, hotel restaurant in Brittany with my brother, and uh, we were eating fish. So you lived in Brittany, and your parents operated a small hotel restaurant. How involved were you in the restaurant? What roles did you have? Uh, We were involved very, very early, like um, peeling potatoes. We were stuffing clams. We were seven or eight years old. I was in the dining room with my mother and my brother was in the kitchen with uh, my father. And then my father had this idea as he had two grown-up kids to open a disco. Tell me about the disco. This is now in the 1960s? Yes, and it was one of the first disco in Brittany. So we were very successful, but we didn't know how to make money. Uh, And then later on, my brother was, uh, in his early 20s, he was uh, working in a disco in Paris. And uh, then he really learned how to make money. What kind of music played in the disco at the time? The music of the the Rolling Stone. (laughs) And your grandfather was a fisherman. Do you recall going out with him to catch fish? Uh, not me. I didn't like too much going on the boat, but my f- brother really liked doing that. And he preferred to go on the boat with my grandfather than to go to school, to tell you the truth. He was very young when he started to go on the boat with him. And one day there was a tempest that raised very quickly, and they had to tie him up with uh, ropes to prevent him to be thrown away of the boat. Did you both know from the early days that you wanted to go into business together and open a restaurant together? How did no, that happen? not at all. I wanted to be a um, stewardess, and my brother wanted to work on boats, uh, but the kind of big boats where they go uh, far away. Um, cargo? Yes, cargo. Ah. Why did you want to be a stewardess? Because I wanted to get out of Brittany and travel. That was it. I knew early in my life that I would not stay in Brittany. It was too remote, and I knew that there was a life somewhere else. Eventually, you and your brother moved to Paris. Yes. But before opening the restaurant, you dabbled in different areas for a few years. What are some of the things that you did? I modeled for uh, a couple of years. Then I was a receptionist in an hotel. Then I was a hostess in a restaurant. And every year we would come back to Brittany to help our parents. How did you both then make the decision to open the restaurant? Because there was nothing else that we knew. 
We did not know that it was going to be so difficult because the small training that we had in that uh, small hotel restaurant was not enough to make a success in Paris. So we opened that restaurant in Paris in 72 with the help of everyone, friends, family, loan at the bank. It was a disaster. <laughs> we didn't know how to run the restaurant to make money. We were having fun being outside every night after when the restaurant was closed. And several times we had we thought that we would uh, we had to file for bankruptcy. Your restaurant was almost taken away at one point. That's right. What is the story behind that? One day I, w- I went for whatever reason in to the market uh, with my brother. And we came back with the small car full of fish. And we saw a notice on the window for sale. <gasps> this is our restaurant. This is us. And said. So I called the number and a man came. He said, all right, young lady, I'm going to help you. Can we sit somewhere? I said, yes, please come to my uh, apartment. It's uh, above the restaurant. He said, I'm going to help you. We can just take a, a lean on your on your furniture. What do you have? Here, I have one table, which is my desk, and two chairs. And I have my bedroom, I have my my bed, and that's it. He said, that's the only thing I cannot take. <laughs> So it's to show you how difficult it has it has been. But despite this difficulty initially, you're actually opening a restaurant at an auspicious moment. Your brother, who was a chef with no formal training, benefited from a new experimentation going on in the French culinary community at the time. What impact do you think that had on your brother's cooking? It was the beginning of the nouvelle cuisine. He tried to have some imagination. All the chefs were trying new way to get out of that heavy French cooking. So it was, in a way, the, the right time. He, he became friendly with all the chefs of his generation, went to have dinner with them, started to travel with them. They were always invited everywhere in France, whether it's to taste the truffles that were coming out or to taste wine. That's when everything started to come in his mind, I, I suppose. And the first restaurant was called Le Bernardin. was called Le Bernardin, yes. What does that mean? It is a song that our father was singing to us called Les Moines de Saint-Bernardin. Those monks were well known for the good life. They like to eat and to drink. And that first location was on the left bank, not far from the restaurant that we were going to open. So we named the restaurant after those monks. So you're talking about monks in a monastery? There was a monastery close to you? And monks obviously are known for their asceticism. Yes, Um, not those one. (laughs) (laughs) I see. And so your father would sing this song to you? Yes. Growing up? Yes. It's a well-known song. 
I'm Jessica Harris. You're listening to From Scratch. My guest is Maggie Lacose, co-founder of La Bernadette, a leading seafood restaurant in New York City. Maggie started La Bernadette in 1986 with her brother, Gibert. You operated uh, the Paris restaurant from 1972 to 1987 in two locations. Yes. Uh, and the impetus for your closing the restaurant in Paris was that you opened up a New York restaurant. Exactly. In 1986. Yes. Why did you decide to move to New York? Uh, it's very difficult to say because I didn't know New York. It's out of the blue. I was pushed by I don't know what or who, but it was a, it was very strong. And I started in the 1980 already to think about New York. I came once with my brother and we stayed two weeks. And my brother said, ah, there, there is nothing here. There is no veg- good vegetable. There is, there is no herb. There is nothing. There is, we cannot open a restaurant. And I told him, you are a coward. <laughs> <laughs> but he said, no, no way, we are not ready, and this town is not ready. We cannot do it. So a few years later, I told him, I don't want to stay here all my life. You will be 50 years old with a big belly behind your stove, and I will be with the white hair at the, the entrance. I told him, I don't want a family, I'm not interested. I just want to run another business. So you're eager to open a restaurant in New York. Your brother, not so much. What next? You tried a few times to start a restaurant, but investors repeatedly fell through. It took me uh, several several times. One time I thought that I had everything. I had 10 different investment, investment partners, friends, and at the last minute, there was always one who would say no. And one year, I came back, and I had almost a nervous breakdown because a deal didn't go through. And then finally, a, a partnership randomly came together with essentially a stranger in New York City. You met Mr. Holloway, who was the head of Equitable. Yes, it's, it, yes, he was the chairman of Equitable. And Equitable is the real estate company that owns the building that you've been in. Yes. How did you meet him? We met him through a friend of mine whose brother was uh, a very good friend of uh, Ben Holloway. And he knew that he was building, he was finishing that huge building on the west side, which was not at that time a very well-known location. 155 West 51st Street. So we went to his house. We opened a bottle of Dom Perignon. We shook hands, said, that's it, we have a deal. Do you have an architect? Yes, we do. Tell your architect to get in touch with the architect of the building tomorrow. Do you have a lawyer? Yes, we do. Tell your lawyer to get in touch with the lawyer of the building and uh, let's work on him. I said, but we, we don't have a deal. He said, we'll work on that. So they started to build the restaurant. We signed the deal six months later. He had so much trust and confidence with us that he knew that we were going to do it. What was the restaurant landscape at the time in that neighborhood in Midtown? It was not a good neighborhood. At night, we had some of our employees who were mugged 
nobody thought that it could be a right location. And we thought that it was going to be a right location because we were next to Rockefeller Center and next to Broadway. But it was kind of accidental that you launched in this neighborhood. Yes, that's right, because we had a very good deal. How did you get financing from the beginning? Even You had Equitable as your landlord. Yes. But did they provide the capital to get the restaurant off the ground? There was, it was a turnkey operation. A turnkey operation. Yes, meaning that they would uh, do the all the work and then uh, buy table, chairs, china, glassware, everything. Lucky you. Yes. <laughs> Now, your brother came to the, to New York kicking and screaming because it yes. was your wish. Did you ever think that maybe you and your brother should part ways because you wanted to be in New York and he wanted to be in Paris? Well, no, we were very, very close, and uh, and that was enough. Your brother was protesting uh, that there are no good herbs and no good vegetables. Where did he find, or where did you both find the produce and the fish for your restaurant in Midtown? The good thing was that uh, New York is underwater, so Gilbert figured out that some fish were going to come to New York. He just had to find <laughs> where to find them. He went to the Fulton Fish Market, was the first restaurateur ever going to the fish market. That was very interesting because he made the fish market discovered by the journalist who came with him, and then the TV went with him to the fish market, and suddenly the fish market has been known, and then the fishmonger was happy to be on TV, so <laughs> we were treated very well with them. So your brother brought publicity, publicity. to Fulton Fish Market yes. because journalists and the TV crew would follow your brother. Mm -hmm. Now, your brother did not speak English very well. Gilbert didn't speak English. So his, uh, his way to connect with, the, with them was just pointing out the fish and just pointing out the fish that they wanted to sell, which is no good. He, said, he would say, no, no good. And that was it. And after a while, uh, they understood that he really knew how to choose the fish. So your brother was an expert in fish thanks to his family upbringing. Yes, thanks to my grandfather who was uh, the fisherman. And when you when you were first launching the restaurant in 1986, what were some of the challenges that you faced? We could not find uh, waiters. So we took our metro from Paris with us and the dining room became a school for one month. And we had at that time the biggest kitchen in New York. We had the first page of the New York Times with a picture of the kitchen. And we were serving dinner every night in the kitchen to train the waiters. And then we started to train waiters in the dining room, like having just uh, five or six tables and increasing every day. And we had no publicity, no public relation to help us. Just people were, would see that there was light and that the Bernardin, they heard that the Bernardin was opening and they would knock at the door and say, when are you going to be open? We said, we don't know when we will be ready. And one night, Gilbert said, okay, we'll be ready soon. Maggie, you get uh, 50 people in the dining room and 
nothing else for one month. Do you remember what was on the menu the first night when you opened? We had raw fish on the menu. Nobody in New York had eaten raw fish except in a few sushi places. So I would take the order at the table with the maitre d' and convince people to try to take the raw fish. And I would say, please, try, just try it. And if you don't like it, we'll give you something else. There was a lot of tuna in New York. And the tuna, when it's too cooked, it's not good at all. So I said to my brother, listen, why don't we serve it raw? So we had carpaccio of tuna. We had some raw fish marinated that we serve uh, on a green salad. We had sea urchin, which was not very popular. So we had a sea urchin in a butter of sea urchin. We had oyster, of course. We had oyster with truffle, which was very unusual as well. We had fish soup. We had skate. Squid. Yes. We had served monkfish, which was not very well known either, that we would serve with um, leeks. All that on the first night? Oh, yes. When we were ready, we were ready. And, and every week, I would uh, increase a little bit. Now, your responsibilities were always split between uh, your being in the front of the house and his always being the chef. Did you ever try to cook yourself? No, I never tried because I never had the opportunity. That was not the tradition in the 50s and 60s to have uh, women in the dining room. It was women in the front and uh, men in the kitchen. You mentioned that your, your brother had no traditional training and That's that he right. was really more of an artist and he used his imagination. How did that help him in the kitchen, do you think, versus having a formal training? Because our food was, uh, was different, was very light. There was some broth, then emulsion. Emulsion. Yes. Spices, herbs. His menu was simple, but that's what was important because then really people started to appreciate the fish. And the fish was so fresh that it was really good. You mentioned green salad, that you served fish on top With of green salad. salad. Yes, oh, that was a big deal. What was Gibert's uh, relationship with salad? Oh, a nightmare. <laughs> because we had customer coming and asking for a green salad. And he says, no, we are not serving green salad. I said, why not? Because we are, you are in the restaurant, it's a fish restaurant, and I don't go to the fish market every night to serve a green salad. That was it. <laughs> we would not serve green salad. I'm Jessica Harris. You're listening to From Scratch. My guest is Maggie Lacoze, co-founder of La Den, one of the country's leading seafood restaurants. Maggie started the New York restaurant in 1986 with her brother Gibert, and La Bernadette received three Michelin stars and four stars from the New York Times as soon as it opened. The restaurant changed its decor to produce a more contemporary feel in the autumn of 2011. Incidentally, when exactly did you open the restaurant to the public? The restaurant was ready by November uh, 1985. We knew that it was not the right time to open in the middle of the season, but we opened in January, which had always been 
successful for us. All the rest when that reopened, opened in January. What were some of the mistakes you made in the early days of the restaurant? I don't think we made mistakes. <laughs> we were strong enough not to open the restaurant and to accept a lot of customers the first two months. So when Gail Green, who was the first person who reviewed the restaurant, came, the restaurant was, was ready. Her friends was telling her, you must go to the restaurant, it's really good. She said, I promised them not to go before they tell me that they are ready. So finally she came, and Brian Miller came right away. Brian Miller of the New York Times, yes, which gave you four stars, four star, which was a big deal for him because it was the first. It was at the beginning of uh, him being at the New York Times, and it was the first four star that he gave. In his first article that he did, he said, "I wish that we can take their passport so that they don't go back to France." <laughs> and suddenly we were overwhelmed with the phones. We couldn't answer the phones. We had five persons on the reservation, and it was not enough. We had to buy a sophisticated answering machine to take over. Nobody could reach us. It was very special. It was special days. When you got your four stars from the New York Times, do you remember that moment when you found out? Yes, we found out because by coincidence, we had... That night, friends coming from France, and I said, you are you arrive right on time. Tonight we are going to see what we are going to get with the New York Times. <laughs> the maître G, the manager came at that moment with plenty of New York Times in his hands and threw away the, the newspaper in the restaurant. The yes. manager threw the newspaper in the air. <laughs> Absolutely. And in the d- private room, we had a reservation. It was 15 people. And they were all people from the New York Times. They all came down the stairs, and everybody <laughs> was applauding. Oh. And everyone uh, in the restaurant started to understand. So everyone started to applaud, and it was really a wonderful moment. And then we went outside to celebrate. When we came back, we called our father and explained him. (laughs) And he said, so, you didn't go to the Fulton Fish Market this morning, my my son? (laughs) I'm Jessica Harris. You're listening to From Scratch. My guest is Maggie Lacoze, co-founder of Le Bernardin, one of the country's leading seafood restaurants. Your brother, Gilbert, passed away in 1994 from a heart attack? From a heart attack, yes. Was it sudden? Was it? Yes. It was sudden, but not really. A year before, he had a kind of a small attack. At night, he woke up, and uh, his girlfriend, she rushed him to the hospital. And three days later, he asked the maitre d' And, and Eric and uh, the manager to come to the, to, the, to the hospital with the mail. And in front of them, he took all the tube that he had in his hand. He said, I am fine and don't say anything to my sister or you will be fired. So he took out all the tubes, all the needles and tubes from the hospital. Yes. 
If I had known, I would have battled and fight with him so that to do the test, he was supposed to do tests that he never did. So your brother kept his heart attack a secret so you wouldn't worry and force him to undergo a series of tests. Yes. Eric Repair, your now chef and co-owner, yes. uh, came on board, took over in 1994 when your brother passed away. Eric had been working in the kitchen It, with Gilbert. With Gilbert, yes. What was that relationship uh, like? Gilbert was very friendly with Jean-Louis Paladin, a very well-known uh, chef uh, who was running a restaurant in the Watergate Hotel in Washington. He's the first French chef who came to United States. And Gilbert asked him if he had someone that he could recommend because uh, he, he knew that that could not go further than what he has done, that he really needed new blood. And uh, Jean-Louis Paladin introduced him to my brother. And Eric took like a few months before Eric accepted it. They were meeting every, every Saturday at breakfast and talked about everything. Uh, they became friends before they became the chef of the restaurant. Now, Eric's style of cooking is very different from your brother's. Uh, Gilbert was more ad hoc and there was no formal education, whereas Eric is well-schooled. Oh, yes. Eric has the best training. How is that manifested in the menu? How is the menu different as a result of now having Eric on board versus Gilbert? When Gilbert died, I said to Eric, Eric, we have to stop. Don't do it at all anything that Gilbert was doing, except the raw fish. We keep that, and everything has to be new. How come? Uh, because I wanted to really to, to show that that I should no longer think of my brother and that Eric was a chef uh, and that he was talented and that I wanted to show his talent. I, I could see it going the other way. I could see some owners saying, I want you to continue in my brother's tradition. So it was probably freeing for Eric to have that yes. license from you. Yes, definitely. When, when the reviewers came to review the restaurant under Eric's auspices, yes. uh, what, what, were, what were the results? It was uh, results? Ruth Reichel in 1995. And? Four stars. <laughs> Four stars. Yes. New York Times. Are you tearing up because this Absolutely. is emotional for you? Absolutely. It's um, 40 years of my life. But... Uh, I have uh, Eric and I, we, have, we are very close. We are like friends. I consider him like more than a business partner. He's, he's my family. He's like my brother in a sense. And Eric ha is really the public face of the restaurant to some degree, the star of a TV series called Avec Eric yes. and a judge on Top Chef. How do you feel about his taking on that role with the restaurant, whereas you're more not behind the scenes because you're in from the front of the restaurant, but you certainly don't have your own TV series and you're oh. not the, the, the one that has as much fame as he. It's wonderful. I can go away whenever I want. <laughs> and nobody is asking for me. Everybody is asking for Eric. It doesn't make a difference if I am there or not because I have a computer everywhere I go. I do the administration work in the restaurant. So every day I speak with everyone. 
and uh, I look at the numbers, and that's fine. Now, how has your job changed from the inception, from 1986 when you opened, to now? What does your job entail? In 1986, I was in the front. I was at the podium greeting people, and then going through one table to the other, seeing if everything was fine. Mm-hmm. And then I would be in the restaurant from 6 o'clock to midnight, saying goodbye to the last customer. Plus the work in the office, it was very long days. How has your clientele's taste changed from the beginning of the restaurant's opening till, till now? They are very sophisticated now, yes. I don't remember, but what I can tell you is in one night we could have 15 tables taking testing menus with wine pairing. So it means that the clientele is really uh, sophisticated. They know about food. There are so many restaurateurs uh, expanding and having two, three, five, ten restaurants, whether they're all in New York or in other states. How come you're sticking with Le Bernardin only? This is our choice. We like to be unique. When the customer comes, we want that experience to be very special. We always manage to be in the restaurant, either Eric or me, so that the the customer can have that special experience. If they want to meet with us, we are there. What is your diet like? What did you eat for breakfast this morning? I eat cornflakes with skim milk, grapefruit that the restaurant prepared for me, and um, Greek yogurt. And lunch, it's green salad with uh, vegetables and fruits. How often are you eating in the restaurant? Every day. Lunch and dinner. And dinner, I pick up uh, everything from the menu. I taste everything. And I sit down in the dining room, and I want to be uh, served like a customer. That's where I see the details. Thank you very much for joining us. Thank you for having me. My guest has been Maggie Lacoste, co-founder of Le Bernardin. I'm Jessica Harris. This is From Scratch. Nous sommes les moines de Saint-Bernardin. Nous sommes les moines de Saint-Bernardin. Nous nous couchons tard et nous levons matin. Nous nous couchons tard et nous levons matin. Pour aller à matine. Quelques flacons, voilà ce qu'ils font et font bon bon. Et voilà la vie, la vie, la vie, la vie chérie, ah Et voilà la vie, couvrez-moi le pont. Et voilà la vie, la vie, la vie, la vie chérie, ah Et voilà la vie, couvrez-moi le pont. Pour notre Petit oiseau, pour notre souper de mon petit oiseau, que l'on nomme Caille Bécasse.